0: The pronoun part, I, I re- and there's p- other people like me that don't understand. Like, what's the? You, you're not a miss. You're not a female. Are you? I, I that I I I have a hard time grasping that. Where? Please explain to me, the blockhead, why these pronouns like the they's and the I totally lost and i'm not researching it so i'm asking you why why is that important great question
1: Yeah, i'm I not a gender studies major uh it's not my life career so what i say may not be best practices by any means it's my own opinion uh yeah. so why is it mass- important
2: to you why is it yeah. important to you Starza? i asked when, so when you and i first started walking i working together i asked you what your pronouns were
1: exactly Remember? first things You're first
2: california that's-
1: <laughs> but I would say, uh, for me, gender gender is a spectrum as a sexuality. You have masculine and feminine, masculine qualities and feminine qualities. So feminine qualities typically are nurturing, understanding, the, those types of, I'm going to say mothering because I, I don't know a better term for right now, qualities. You have the masculine qualities, the the fix it, the, those types of qualities and there's things on on the spectrum. So sometimes you feel nurturing. I bet if you have kids or you have pets or whatever it may be, you feel especially nurturing, or sometimes you feel especially masculine. And so because that's a spe- spectrum, that's how I view gender. I don't necessarily think I'm a hyper feminine person. I don't think I'm hyper masculine. I think I'm somewhere in between. And for me, I use that as a pronoun. So I use they, she pronouns, which means I prefer they them, but I'm cool with she, her. So either one is fine with me. And so that's what
0: I signal. Are you a girl? I mean, (laughs) I'm a guy. Is there science? Because it's getting into an objective thing on science. And I know this is a whole nother thing. And that's where the confusion is coming from. Because people won't ask. That's like, Mr. means male. Miss means female. And what you're saying is there isn't a male or female. There's something in between. And that's what we don't get. Do I have that right?
1: I'm saying it's a spectrum, so there's many things in between.
2: Yeah, let me tell you a story, Pete, that, that might be relevant. So back in my eighth grade, so this was like, you know, five years ago, um, uh, I, our teacher was named Ms. Allback, MS, period. She didn't want to be known as Miss All, Allback um, or, or Mrs. Uh, you know Allback because it wasn't relevant to anybody that she was married. And and so it was important to her and I and I remember going oh okay I've never had other than the nuns that were my teachers <laughs> uh, I I didn't have anybody that didn't go by Mister or Mrs. and it was like revel it was uh, uh, revealing to me that there was like oh got it it doesn't matter that she's married she goes by Ms Ms period and it was like oh cool all right move on and it wasn't it wasn't hard. I think that we're in this, we're in this, and it was just a slight yeah. shift. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a, what do you call it? A spectrum, I, you know, stars. I it, right? it was you're a spectrum. saying
0: and, and I, and I don't want to disrespect anybody, but I, I'm getting back to the science thing. It's either just guys or girls. And that's where it's like, whether you're married or not. I, get, I.
1: True though. First of all, gender is a social contract. Construct it has nothing to do with science. Number two, even from a science biological perspective, there's more than that. There are triple X chromosomes. There are, XXY chromosomes. There's a lot of different other chromosomal functionality and features that people have. It's not binary. Um, I'm not a biologist. Wait, you're I'm saying my face with that. Yes, I learned in biology that there's stuff like super X, there's super X chromosomes and other things. So there's other chromosomal features beyond just XX and XY. Yes, they're pretty rare, but there's there's more than just the binary. Well, they are pretty there.
0: extremely hyper rare, and I get it. So if you're gonna make an ass- I guess we're going through all this work for 0.00001 percent of the population. I, I get it, and that's why people like me are like, and that, and that's why I'm doing a podcast, Tarzus. So we'll we'll leave it at that.
1: Everyone. My name is Starza Thompson. My pronouns are they, she. I'm the VP of Marketing for Aploy, which is just an HR tech startup. I'm also a part time Olympic weightlifter as well as an aerial harness dancer, and you are listening to The Sassholes.
0: Welcome to sassholes. With a combined 100 years of making interesting decisions, Jamie, Justin, KG, myself, Pete, are dedicated to helping sales leaders or aspiring sales leaders accelerate revenues with our no bullshit approach to sales leadership strategies and tactics. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Each subscription, I don't know anything about algorithms, but it turns three people watching us into 3,000. Pay it forward, please. And hey, if you have the time, follow us on Apple Podcasts. We'll take five stars, but if it's four and a half, we'll take four and a half. Today, our guest is Starsa Thompson. Stars is the VP of Marketing for Aploy, a recruiting, onboarding, and credential management software company with more than 15 years of experience in marketing and leadership roles across multiple industries, from nonprofit and wholesale distribution to fintech, fintech and healthcare. Starsa has helped companies of all sizes increase revenue, strengthen their brand, and maximize product fit. She has won both national company-wide awards for her marketing strategy and demand generation initiatives. Starza has a BA in psychology and English from James Madison University and graduated in the top 10% of her MBA class at the University of Illinois. But before we get to Starza, hey, we got some Patreon love to dish out. Our business supporters, hey, unlock key account growth with Demand Farm. Smart software to bring account planning and relationship intelligence into your CRM, making key account management practice data driven, predictable, and scalable. Request a demo now at demandfarm.com. Ask for Iron Man. WinAnalytics, build the revenue organization you want. Request a free 60 minute growth consultation at WinAnalytics. Ask for Brent and say, Big Pete sent ya. We'd also like to thank Aaron, Jane Trenas for their support. It's a real ego boost. Thanks guys. And for all of you out there, again, if you have the means, visit us on Patreon slash sassholes. You can buy us a beer or you can use us to sit and you can practice your budget meeting. Hey, you're gonna ask for a raise? You might as well practice on us. We won't pull any punches. And again, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Okay, guys. Hey, uh, Carney. Yeah, Pete. KG.
3: Are <laughs> you reading the joke? Are you reading the joke before
0: even no, why it? are you guys? I'm not going to put the joke in there anymore. You guys suck. <laughs> I know. You're not supposed to read it. It's bad. What? <laughs> you can't read. Screw y'all. Bar Soap <laughs> walks into a bar, says to the bartender, hey, give me some suds and put it on my tub. <laughs> Oh, man, why are you laughing so hard? Leave us some comments on just... our blog at sassholes.net. KG, just... grab a <laughs> Kleenex. Oh, my gosh. Just, did you pay <laughs> him yeah, money we, for this, Pete? We, like, we, just, he broke he, KG. No. I, I mean, it's it's early out here. And I'm. Oh, God. I don't know. That was good.
2: K, that was better. KG,
0: you got any shout-outs, my friend?
2: I do have some shout-outs. Uh... Congratulations to last week's guest, uh, Dion Major, who uh, now is starting a new position as Global uh, Director of Global Field Enablement at Lead IQ. Congratulations to Kevin Trojan. I went to high school with him about five years ago for being shortlisted as a nominee for the CFO Leadership Awards by the Los Angeles Times. Kind of a big deal. I guess he's smart. And then uh, happy birthday to Mark Boll and Carl Nielsen and brian bemo
0: morrison that's it that's all she wrote how many people have we had as guests that didn't have a gig and then all of a sudden got a gig
3: magic i don't know
0: starting with Carney. all right
3: come on stop it what what wait was she unemployed when we had her on no
0: I it didn't. Say, she was self-employed. I'm just saying, you had somebody else take the risk yeah. out. It. it all came, guys. It all came from sassholes.
3: Just from Kevin Dorsey.
2: Kevin Dorsey got a new gig right after uh, he was on our show last year. And then what about uh, the
0: Amazon guy?
2: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Jeff Ignacio. Jeff yeah, Ignacio. magic. Uh, yeah. We are the magic. Jason Ferrara, our former sasshole, got a
3: job because of the sassholes. Yeah, we go Ferrara because love, man. Not because of any other reason than the sassholes did Jason Ferrara get the job?
2: Geez, well, watch out, Stars. You're gonna you're gonna be switching jobs next week uh, after being on the show.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, I, I don't think so. <laughs>
0: all right, all right, all right. That's what they all say. Hey, Carney, I see you're doing some typing. I guess I you typed must
3: have earlier. Just one shout out, Cindy Grogan. I love her to death. She was uh, worked with me at Flexera. She got an award for Do you know anybody
0: else besides people at Flexera or people.io, <laughs> it's people.ai. And I know a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people, Pete, including
3: you, unfortunately. Uh, but Cindy, you- great person. Um, she got CRN Woman of the Channel. Don't really know what, uh, if that was the you hell know, is I just that. I have no idea what CRN is. It's been around for 40 years, I guess. But she won the award, so she gets a little bit of a a
0: trophy sitting on her desk. All right. Sandy, props. All right. John Fagan, three years zip recruiter. You you knew him there, Gaither, didn't you?
2: I love John Fagan. I love that guy. Salt, Salt of the earth.
0: Good peeps. Good peeps. Ben Goldberg, three years sales gig. Check out SalesGig. You know what? Check out SalesGig if they become a Patreon supporter. Come on, Goldberg. Altizer got promoted account executive at Salesforce. Another person over at Salesforce. Jeez Louise. They should give me a little cut. I'm just saying, wet my beak. Chris Beck, one year at Microsoft. Amy Connolly, nine years at CHG Healthcare Services. Connor Clark, he's got a new gig interning Lincoln Salt Dogs, broadcasting intern, Lincoln Pro Baseball. Way to go, Salt Dogs. You hired a good one. Justin Breen, five years at BR Epic Communications. Okay. KG, how do you know Starza? Where do we find her from?
2: <laughs> well, Starza works at Ploy and uh, the best healthcare ATS company out there. And... Um, I met the CEO of Apploy through a friend formerly at ZipRecruiter who's now an advisor. And uh, I started uh, consulting and advising with them uh, a little over a year ago. And I was introduced to Starza as the VP of, of marketing there. And uh, honestly, at first, I was really intimidated. Like, she's a badass. And her, ba- her background from startups to big companies and MBAs and all this kind of stuff I was uh, I was very intimidated by uh, by starza but we developed a very uh, close working relationship very shortly there thereafter uh, as she assumed uh, both marketing and sales leadership roles and uh, and we, uh, we we've become far more friendly since then and and uh, I, I have a ton of respect for for starza and uh, really like her really like her approach and so that's that that's how we met Starza through a client of uh, of mine, so Starza, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Happy to be here.
2: Being being subjected to
0: the uh, to the sass holes. <laughs> so, so Starza, what what what's your background? Why should I respect you?
1: Uh, well, I think that's subjective, but okay. I I started off a nonprofit, wrote a cookbook that sold a quarter million copies in the first year as part of that nonprofit gig. Nice. Learned how to monetize myself essentially through that cookbook, went back to school, got my MBA. Uh, Cause I, as much as I love working for nonprofit, I wanted to make money and decided that nonprofit work should be what I do as a hobby instead of a career. Worked at a fortune 500 uh, and then continued to go down in size and company from there. I even started my own business. So I ran a marketing consulting firm for a few years, uh, sold well over six figures in my first year there and decided that as much as I love doing sales and marketing and pitching myself, I did not like the admin part of running my own business, went back to corporate, Uh, worked in the restaurant industry, selling marketing and finance to independent restaurateurs, uh, Mm. and then went into healthcare, and now work at a healthcare company as the head of marketing. Throughout the entire time, I've always owned the SDR role as well, Uh, so I have a bit of Entrepreneurialship,
2: marketing, sales—you name it, I've—I've I've probably done it. See, see, okay. see what I mean?
1: Freaking right, intimidating
2: is all hell. Like, what hasn't she done for God's sakes? You—you you walk Trump. on your hands too, don't you? Trump. I do,
1: and I just started Olympic weightlifting, so I've added see? that. <laughs> <laughs> She's <laughs> a
0: badass. She's a badass. It's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, it's—it's it's easy getting those uh, restaurant guys uh, to hold on to an appointment, huh? Yeah, right.
1: Oh, yeah, that was that was definitely a very challenging challenging career, and I major props to folks that are continuing to work in that space. Oh.
3: You talked about our work personas and personal persona merging together as the personal me showing up uh, at work. Why is that important?
1: Yeah. So that was actually a big post I made on LinkedIn. And there was a lot of debate within myself of showing that because I've always worked at companies where I did not bring my personal self to work. I was very, very corporate. I you know, wore the blazer with jeans when that became the standard corporate attire. I still do oftentimes. I didn't have anything on my desk. I didn't show any personality at work. And then I'd go home and be stars And as we have gone into a pandemic and slowly coming out of it, and we're all working at home and you see where people live and you see their cats coming in, in my case, or making noises, you see babies, I've realized that you can't really separate work and life anymore. And as a leader within a corporation, especially a remote first corporation, it's my responsibility to really lead with authenticity. And for me, that means being stars a hundred percent of the time and not having a corporate version of myself and a personalized version of myself. And so I made this, this coming out story on LinkedIn and just said, that's what I want to do because I want to create space for other people. And I want people on my team to feel safe coming out and being who they are at work, whatever that may mean to them.
3: Do you think a lot of people go through that where they're they're it's like, uh, um, you know, I think there was an old Seinfeld or, or something like that where it was like work George versus uh, 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 play George or whatever it was, friend George. Can't merge them together. Maybe that was friends. But do you think that happens a lot in today's world where people are trying to portray something differently uh, in the corporate world than what they
1: really are? I, I think it does. I think it's happening less now just because we are working from home and we get to see what's behind the curtain literally in everybody's houses. But uh, especially if you're in a, an other group is what I like to call it. If you're not what mainstream America is, whether that's you're a person of color, you're a person of the LGBT community, um, you're not Christian. If you're any of those things, it's really hard to come out in the workplace and show those parts of your personality for fear of backlash or judgment or whatever that may be.
3: But is that self, oh, here's the question. Is that, do you think that's self-imposed? Like if there's a fear just because of the cultural, like thought process is it is it is it really the company and the people in the company sort of holding that down or is it just because the culture today might not seem as accepting as it was
1: I think it's both I think if you're not seeing your leaders in the company that you're working for showing their personal selves at work it's signaling to you that you also should not show that personal self at work so I think it's it's seeing those signals in the workplace and then imposing it on yourself for safety because you don't want to lose your job if you're in a state where that could possibly get you fired, um, or even if it's not that big, if it's just you don't want people to see your weird personality or unique personality because you don't want them to judge you or make judgments on you and your work your work product based on that.
0: We're totally what, for- hold on. What, what, so what is professionalism then?
2: Yeah. I mean, Jesus, that those lines are blurry you know i mean hey, like for- i
0: can't be my personal <laughs> self oh my god you have a meeting where you burned an hour and you're like why the hell wasn't this an email i can't just go out and say that i have said that but- wait i was gonna say pete i've been there when you said that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah here i am doing a podcast <laughs> so why is it that i can't be my personal self and you can stars what so what is professionalism
1: yeah, I think there's a difference between professionalism and tact. And I think what you just mentioned is tact and not professionalism. I think being it's aware different. of how you, how you say something and where you say it and how people are going to react to it is different than being your own person at work.
3: I, I think what I would say, Starza, I totally agree with what you said, because the way I operate is people know who I am and everything about my personal life. But when I have to put on the... You know, the the, the, the sport code and talk to clients. I don't need the clients to know that, but my team, whoever worked for me or worked with me knew exactly who I was from uh, the beginning to the end. I didn't cover that up.
1: Yeah, and I think that's important. And I think what you did last night versus who you are in person are two different things too. So I yes. don't necessarily talk about every single thing you did. You don't need to word vomit on people, but for them to know how you identify how you're feeling and if you're having a vulnerable moment especially as a leader that's important important for your team to know so they feel that it's it's safe for them to have the same kind of moments with you
2: I repeat so uh so for those listening at uh at home stars has got a tattoo sleeve on her left arm and a, and a no- nose ring and it's like yeah man amen but like you know 10 years ago, that might've actually gotten you stuffed into HR or something like that, or, or worse, worse yet, something, you know, uh, unspoken, but, but, but I think you're making a good point. Those stars like, there's, and Pete is asking this question. That's just so effing confusing. Like what is professionalism? And let me, let me paint a picture for you. You've spent six months on your sales kickoff meeting. It's January, 2023. And the entire company is there. You've rented out a massive auditorium, and the executives are expected to get up in front of the entire team. Entire team. And there's four executives that get up there. Three of them are wearing the you know the the slacks, the, the jacket, and one of them's wearing their pajamas and yoga pants, and their hair isn't you know is a little disheveled is that bringing your authentic self to work or is that just fricking unprofessional? Starza (laughs) like, like would you be caught dead wearing your yoga pants to a sales kickoff meeting and, and and put that under the umbrella of I just brought my authentic self to work. What's the difference?
1: A certain level of decorum and, and dress. And if that, that's communicated that we're dressing professionally, like, if we were at work, I still wear a blazer every day because that's how I grew up is wearing a jeans and a blazer. So every single day at work I wear a blazer I, I dress the way that I was taught how to dress at work. Does everybody do that? I I'm, I'm in a startup No everybody wears cities and jeans that's completely fine. but I think there's a level of expectations too. So if you are having a sales kickoff and the expectation is to dress with a blazer on to showcase that you guys are one solid cohesive unit to showcase that you are, planned and prepared versus wearing pajamas, which looks like number one, you don't care. And number two, you're not prepared is, is different than being authentic and being vulnerable and showing your identity at work.
2: These are C level of executives though. Shouldn't they know better? One of my clients said to me, do, do you have to tell everybody everything, what to do? Like, can't, can't you just, you just said it. There's like a certain level of decorum. You're a C level executive sitting in front of the entire company and you're wearing your freaking jammies. <laughs> like, I brought bringing my authentic, authentic self to the sales kickoff meeting. Like, do we really have to set expectations like that? And and again, I'm I'm you know we're jabbing, and that's uh, yeah. I me, mean, I mean, I don't I, I don't know where that line is, stars. Like, I have no problem if somebody's got a full sleeve. JB Delacruz worked for me, one of the best sales managers ever. Whoa. Full Hold sleeves, on. both sides, Hold Hold tattoos on. in his neck from one of my best salespeople that oh, stars okay. in those.
0: we got we got a marketing person. Let's talk brand, okay, because. You have yeah. a founder, they have, yeah. you know, how they started the company, and then you bring other people on, and then, you know, the culture, the brand, you know, does it dissipate? You know, are you a representative of the company? Is this what the company stands for when they look at you? Okay. Great question. So that's, yeah. you know, tw- so 20 years ago.
1: Question. I actually have a a story about that. So I, pre-pandemic, I was applying for a job. I was looking for a new position and went through a series of in-person interviews for this VP of marketing position, got to the offer, received an offer, and then it was contingent upon me taking out my nose ring. And I said to them, I've gone through six or seven rounds of interviews with you all in person, never taken out my nose. I've had my nose ring for like 15 years now, so I've not taken it out why now are you telling me after this entire process if you would have told me at the beginning we could have discussed it why why this is the case but why now and they said oh well our culture here is not to have any visible piercings and I said well why why is that and they didn't have a good reason and so I think if there there was a good reason number one if that is a good reason but Yeah, if, if that is your culture, that's fine. But then you would select me out. I would not be a good fit for your company because this is who I am, and this is not. This is how I like to signal to other people that I am. I'm alternative, essentially. Um, and I would not work for a company that would force me to take out my nose ring. Uh, and if that's what you want, that's fine. That's just not. That's not for me. So I fortunately work for a company where we were at a conservative event, and me and my heavily tattooed head of sales or head sales rep walking around in 90 degree heat with our blazers on because we didn't want to show our tattoos. And our CEO was like, what are you guys doing? Everybody else is in shorts and bathing suits. And we're like, oh, we just wanted to be respectful. We didn't want to represent a ploy in a different manner. And he's like, what are you talking about? Take, take, take off your blazers. And so the the, the head sales guy and I took off our blazers and showed our tattoos because that is our culture. Our culture is somewhat edgy, somewhat young. We are a SaaS startup. And so that's fine here. And so I do fit in. I do feel comfortable showing my tattoos and my piercings at this company. And I wouldn't work for a company that wouldn't allow me to, but that's not everybody.
0: The the pendulum's starting to swing back the other way, right? Like 15 years ago, okay, the nose rings, you wouldn't do that. Uh, You can't be your authentic self. Okay. Uh, Now that's being I don't want to say overplayed but now it's starting to swing back over when do you think like the coming out the authentic shouldn't everybody be their authentic self shouldn't that be a given shouldn't that be in the company values where it's just the content of your character and the ability to do the job and all this other stuff activism whatnot goes out the window and can we just please just do the job that we're supposed to do
1: Yeah, I would love that. As soon as we can stop getting fired for being our authentic selves, then that would be great. But unfortunately, there's many places where that law does not allow you to be your authentic self at work. So until that happens, this is an issue for forever, unfortunately.
0: When I'm talking pendulum now, okay, that's where the conservatives are throwing shade on you. But then you have the liberals throwing shade on the conservatives where uh, you get canceled. Right. with, With social media. So do you you know what I mean? So it's like, when is it, okay, it's going back and forth. And now when does it just settle in the, in the middle and like, okay, there's alternative lifestyles. Don't force (laughs) your lifestyle on me. I won't force mine on you. Can we just concentrate on the job itself and this authentic self? Look, if you're not who you are, then you're two-faced, right? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. I love that. If you're not who you are, you're
2: two-faced. Write that down. Jeez, I love that.
0: So right? so well, no, not everybody loves that cuz you can't say that nowadays. That's why I'm doing no, podcasts. But you're but you're talking I about can't the be pendulum my- but you're, yeah. I, I think I think it's
2: fantastic. Look, my
0: kids and I think I think it's a
2: generational thing. And stars, of course, I'd love to hear what you have to say. I mean, I, I honestly, with, you know, this is our no BS approach. I think a bunch of people just need to fucking die. You know, like I mean, I don't mean die, I mean, just sort of die off, you know, because my kids go to Did high you school. You just
0: say a bunch of people should fucking die. Yeah, just a bunch of people that are like, you know, that, 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 that,
2: that they're stuck. Look, they're stuck in one side of the pendulum, Pete. They're stuck in one side. Yeah. And and, and look, my kids, you know, high school and uh, and college, they don't give a rat's behind about any of this stuff. Tattoos, no, yeah, nose do. rings. No, no they crap. don't. They do. No, they care that they Ca- that, that, that that it's okay. Like they care that it's accepting. They care that they care that ever that it's inclusive. That's important to them.
0: I'll give you and, a recent example. Can I give you a recent example? First of all, you're in California, okay? All right. And and <laughs> then stars a, you, you, it's you're in Texas, <laughs> which is how are you even living there? But <laughs> there's this thing that there was uh G L S E N, I forget what it stands for. They had a National Day of Silence a couple weeks ago, okay? And it was for middle schools, okay. It was for high schools. They didn't mess around with the colleges. And basically it was to give recognition. The kids, students would be quiet all day to recognize the, the, uh, the LBGTQ. I don't. I never get the acronym right. To recognize that lifestyle. And you had these kids that are between 11 and 14 years old in middle school. And they either had to, they, they were kind of stuck. Okay. If you remember those awkward years, you don't even know what you are. Okay, you're just following peer pressure, and if if you don't remain silent, then what you're saying is you're anti-gay. If you don't go to school on that day, you abstain, then you're anti-gay. We we have kids being put in that position. It started with the colleges, and there was a lot of huff on that. Now it seems to have quieted down. Now it's going into uh, uh, the younger kids. I'm just wondering why should. Everybody should be who they want to be. Just don't put it on somebody else, especially in a place where you're paying taxes and and you're trying to uh, have equal representation for everyone. There's a lot there, Starzy. You can punch me in the face anytime.
1: (laughs) You just went real political with this really, really quickly. I I, I will say... (laughs) Couple of things. I grew up in rural Virginia. I am Jewish and I came out of the closet as interested in everybody when I was nine years old. So I've never like officially had a big coming out story. Like this is just always who I've been. I'm just that kind of precocious child who knew who I was very, very young. Uh, My brother and I were the only Jewish folk kids in our school Um, for a long time and we would get targeted. We had Bible study across the street. We went to the public elementary school. They would walk the kids across the street to go to Bible study in elementary school. And we'd have to sit in school with our head down until they came back. So I would say middle school is not too young for this because as somebody who grew up in a rural community where Christianity was literally shoved down my throat, like I had to just sit and stay silent in school with my head down until they came back from Bible study that I have I've grown up with the the opposite of that where everything else was was enforced upon me. So I would say if this is where the society is going if you can stay silent for a little bit to show that you're accepting of other people that's not necessarily shoving it down your throat whereas oppressed people have been oppressed way longer than what's happening right now.
0: So when so do people a... wait when is the oppression going to be over? Like
1: That would be great. I would love to know. <laughs> know when the impression would be over it'd be great not to be fearful of coming out at work it'd be great to not be fearful of putting uh. your pronoun on your LinkedIn profile because it's going to offend somebody or it's going to cause you not to have as good work opportunities things of that nature so yeah I would love to not be a part of a oppressed people and I'm not nearly as oppressed as some other people because I I appear white so like there it is what it is I'm like
0: I. I'm oppressed putting the American flag in front of my house. You know what I mean? I was the only white guy in the bus going to school. I was oppressed. Where's my coming out party? You know it's been I mean? there
1: hundreds and hundreds of years you've had your coming out party.
0: Yeah, that's right. All you right, all up. right. So getting back to the workplace, what is the difference between a a, a corporate brand and a consumer brand and an employer brand. Do you have any thoughts on that, Starza?
1: Yeah, I have some thoughts. So caveat this with I primarily work in B2B. So I'm a B2B marketer. I work for businesses marketing to other businesses. Uh, from a corporate brand, it's what's on our website, how the salespeople talk about us. It's um, how we convey our value to other people. An employer brand is along the same line. So that's a subset of a corporate brand. It's how how you work with us, what our culture looks like, um, what the opportunities are for you here, what are the fun things that we do, how do we represent ourselves? Do we have how how do we hire? And then consumer consumer brand is I mean, me you mean personal brand? That's who I am and how I represent myself professionally, first, both for my company and otherwise.
3: As a leader who is part of the LGBTQ plus community. And how do you make the workplace more accepting and diverse uh, of your community or something someone making the space for people who they, uh, who they want to be and who We're they trying are. Try that
0: again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You asked that in like.
3: <laughs> it's a Jamie very it.
0: wording question. Well, this, I just wanted K- to make sure KG, I You as asked the question. All right. You ask it. Oh man, I want Jamie. Jamie, no, you do right, it. I'll do it again. All right, now as a leader, you guys are both right, shit. No, so, I right. want Jamie a, to do it. How, how do you make the company more accepting to alternative lifestyles? What do you do? Like if I walked in with a Trump shirt on, would you hire me in marketing? Would you be accepting to me?
1: I like that question. Well, it depends on where you're walking into because we're a remote first company. So I would ideally not not see your Trump shirt or anything like that. Um I would say it starts with leadership, really. It starts with the leadership showing that they are creating space for who you are and creating healthy debate. And I I tell everybody that we hire both on sales and marketing, because I also interview salespeople as well, is that that's that's what it is about. Um, It's about learning and understanding from each other who we are. So interestingly enough, we just had our sales summit last month uh, because we are hiring a lot of people. So we just recently had our sales summit. I went as the leader of marketing to do some marketing training with the salespeople. And I have they, she pronouns on my LinkedIn as well as Slack. And we have a couple of salespeople who just came up to me and were like, hey, I noticed this. I just want to be respectful of you. How do I refer to you or what, what makes the most sense? How would, how would this be comfortable? And we started talking about my pronouns and my gender journey and all this good stuff. And I had other salespeople come in and be like, wait, wait, I want to be respectful too. Like, how, what does this mean? And what if I have a client? And so we just had an open conversation where people felt safe to ask me whatever questions they wanted to about everything. And we talked about what that means and how, how to move forward. And I think just being open as a leader to have those conversations, to, to be okay for people to come and ask you those questions that maybe not that comfortable to ask and have that, com- that conversation makes that place easy to work for, regardless if it's gender or it's Trump or it's political, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Being open and able to have those conversations creates that space.
0: But right, let's start starza, let's back into like what are the values of of your company?
1: Yeah, so creating space for who you are is a value. So we actually came up with these values last year, It took us over nine months to create our values. So uh, human first, making sure that you're leading with humility, creating space for who you are, helping people solve hard problems, and being partners on a journey together. So it's all about, we work in healthcare, we're a human first company, we're hiring software. So everything we do is people at HR base, we want to make sure that people are coming to the table with that. So, some things I ask salespeople when we're interviewing them is we like I know that sales we're competing, we're trying to get get the number, we're trying to make our ARR, we're trying to make our commissions. How do you pair that with being collaborative and leading with humility? And I ask every single salesperson that I want to hear how you've been humbled. I know you guys brag, and we've heard a lot about how great mm-hmm. you are. We want a competitive person anyway? Want a high achiever? But then, how do you pair that with humility?
3: Mm-hmm. One of my questions is: I'm a perfectionist. With what you um, what you said about being open and and respectful of other people's journeys and things of that nature, um, in today's environment, while people are, I think the reason why some people are uncomfortable about maybe being or being upfront and asking that question is because of the so called cancel culture. If they may if they make a mistake. In how they're communicating uh, because of their naivete, right? Um, how do we go? How do you go about opening yourself up in an area that allows for mistakes because they're trying to go down this path and respect you without being you know, perceived as being ignorant and, uh, you know, whatever that is, uh, when they're they're actually trying to go down that journey. Because some people, as you said, their upbringing, I I grew up in a very diverse upbringing, Pete did as well. But some people, you know, grew up in a farm in the middle of nowhere and have never really experienced much diversification. And therefore, Mm -hmm. they might say something that's completely wrong, but it's only because of their upbringing. And they're actually trying to go down that journey. And I feel like there's a lot of times, especially now, it's you make one wrong move, you might be gone.
2: Yeah. Like, like for example, zar- Stars, I'll just, uh, uh, this, this is a true story from a sales manager that used to work for me. Uh, in a meeting one time, he said, okay, hey, guys, let's put our big boy pants on. And, and he then finished out whatever he was describing. Yes, he was white. Yes, he was male. I think he still is. And he, uh, and, and, and somebody on that call was like, oh, no you you did not say hey guys and you did not say let's put our big boy pants on those are just phrases colloquialisms collo- colloquialism i don't even know how to say the freaking word this but those, a great those are,
0: editing podcast thanks guys. i know
2: good luck pete you're good at this so it's like ha- those are just phrases that people have used in the past and yet this guy got you know raked over the coals by by hr and you it's it's like you can't i, I don't know to, to jamie's point like where is that tolerance to like take people that are like, Hey, I didn't realize that saying, Hey guys, which is so common and saying, let's put our big boy pants on is offensive. You know, where, where where's the tolerance to then say, Hey, let me teach you as opposed to raking you over the cold? Sorry. You met, you you seeing what Jamie and I are saying.
1: Yeah. And that's actually what I was going to say is gentle correction is, is how to do it. If you, if you hear somebody and, and, it is something that, like, using gender-neutral terms, hey, folks, hey, y'all, rather than hey, guys, that's an easy correction to make. So I think gentle correction, thanking people for receiving that correction and hearing that correction, I think it's just, its just again, being empathetic and open to everybody and how they talk. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes in how I talk. I still say hey, guys, a lot, and I don't even like that. So it, it just so pops much. out. And I try to correct it with, hey, y'all, hey, folks. Um, I try to use more neutral terms in every speech that I'm having. My mother and I have been practicing this a lot. So we do a lot of practicing of using gender neutral terms when we're talking about anything, just because that's easier for everybody. Um, So I think teaching gentle correction, and again, as leaders, being open to being that person that's doing the gentle correction, being open to having those conversations, and leading with that, that empathy helps.
0: You know what this reminds me of from this naked <laughs> edited? I, I don't Here know. he it's comes. Like, Here no, he goes. It's, look, <laughs> Stars, I respect you. Maybe you'll respect me. I, I don't know. But, you know, there, there's two ways you can run a sales organization. You can go out there and you can go find the business and work hard and go get it so you can get to quota or you can look at an Excel sheet and find reasons why you didn't get to quota because of something that happened to you. And on the HR side of things or the feeling side of things, it, it just seems to me people are looking for, they're looking for the negative ra- rather than the positives of, of, of people. And that's kind of where I'm getting back to the pendulum. When is that going to be over? Because there's got to be a time frame where Okay, here's your pronouns, here's this, we respect you. Can we get on to these other things? Do you think we're going to see that in our lifetimes? or is it always going to be this wasted energy on this stuff that isn't productive? Do you think we can get back to the middle and just get to, to business? Well,
1: you know, first of all, time? I don't that energy because people buy from people who are like them who they like. And so if you understand me as a buyer- Or go the
0: nose ring. You can't wear a nose ring on a a sales presentation because that's going to, they'll say, yeah, yeah, I like what you have. And I'm like, no way I'm buying from you. You know what I mean? That's why they do that. That's why they, in sales, seriously, you don't have beards. You don't want facial hair because that's a negative aspect that people won't buy from people with facial hair. I'm sorry. There's a business reason why companies don't want that. That's where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah, but if you're selling to me and- then I would appreciate that you you know my pronouns and that you use them respectfully. and then that's it. It doesn't have to be a long involved conversation. That's it. Then we go on to business. So my identity, while it's part of me, isn't my life. It isn't every single second of work being reminded of it. And I think a lot of people feel the same way that I do. It's one small aspect of of who I am as the as work stars. So there's there's many other aspects and facets of who I am. And the more that we make it this big deal that we have to dwell on it and we don't just say, okay, that's great. That's who you are. Let's go on to business. Then the more it is going to be a big deal. So I think it's really on that wasted energy. It's not wasted. It's five seconds of learning who somebody is and then making that rapport, which you're supposed to do in sales anyway, and then moving on to the sell. It's
0: one thing if people can be straight up and speak face to face and explain where they're coming from. It's another thing to experience something and not say anything and go to HR and fill up yeah. their, their, do you do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I agree I with you. And I, I, I wouldn't do that unless there's a continuous problem where I feel unsafe. So I would have that conversation directly with you, whether that's personal one-on-one or as an educational moment altogether, or um, one thing that we're doing, I just watched, we have, you know, sexual harassment videos as most of us do that we have to watch and, and for compliance and training ours now talks about gender pronouns, sexuality, in yeah. it. that's part of it yeah. too. Like it does not have to be such a big or shattering deal. It's just acknowledging there are other people out there.
0: Can I ask a serious question? Oh no.
1: Sure.
3: Where, where, <laughs> like where, where, where do you stand on flobie's at work?
0: No, no. no. <laughs> so Getting back to the values. The values are important. They have to be carried through. Because at the end of the day, whatever you are, you got to respect each other. Okay. Because I've had black people. I've had gay people. And then maybe I've had trans. I I couldn't tell. But all I cared about is, could they do the job for me? Okay. And that's all that mattered. Okay. Mm -hmm. In all my years, the the only thing I got on me was I was too blunt or... Was it tact? Is that the word tact? Okay. But, but I said it to somebody's face and they knew exactly where I was coming from. Yeah. It wasn't through a side channel playing the telephone game through HR. I told no. you direct. Okay. And that's kind of where I think there's a lot of problems today. Stars, I think you would tell me to the face, hey, don't say that. I prefer this. Okay. I got it. I might screw up three or four more times, but I'll work on it and I'll get it and I'll work with you. Cause we got, I need your marketing expertise to help further the business. Okay, so exactly. I get, yeah. yeah, okay. So, so fundamentally we're there, we're just different paths. KG, what's the next question?
2: Well, I, I'm not even sure we have enough uh, time here, but I, I would love to just dive a little bit into marketing. So as a marketing leader with lots of experience here, do you have like a preferred marketing tech stack? I mean, besides, of course, including People AI and Demand Farm in your, you know, in your tech stack. Um, wh- what's your preferred marketing tech stack? When you're at a company, these are the must-haves.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm a HubSpot person through and through. So HubSpot is my preferred marketing automation platform. Salesloft is my preferred sales cadences for the SDR platform, and Salesforce is my preferred. Uh, CRM. And I have to say Salesforce, if people automatically think it's a given, but I, I work at companies that that is not a given, too. Hmm. So I from the most simplistic view, those are my top three must-haves. Uh, nice-to-haves are things like Gong for call recording that helps product marketing sales, as you guys know, um, and other other things too. So I always work with like digital agencies on paid ads and making sure we have platforms there, but those would be my, my three must-haves. Would you
2: rather, like, is there like a secret weapon where you're like, oh, this is the tool that like, revolutionizes my marketing and makes it so efficient. Is there any tool like that?
1: I would say it's my people. My people are my tools that revolutionize marketing. Uh, we are a startup. My company has only, I founded our marketing department and built it as of last year. So we are really new in the marketing side of things for my company. So my people are the blood, sweat, and tears and the found and on top of that tech stack.
3: I find that great that you said that because I think people need to... <laughs> people need to be pushing the technology rather than the technology pushing the people. I I know that's a, but what I mean by that is when the people are exhausted, that's when you need to find uh, technology to replace their time and so that they can move to the next level. As opposed to right now, what happens is a lot of people have that Frankenstack is what we've been hearing a lot, or I called it drunken tool fatigue, where some technology comes in and sells to someone Technology that you don't know you need, and then you end up buying it, and then, let, let's say you leave, and somebody inherits that, and then all of a sudden that tech stack becomes over uh, over complicated and, and overburdened.
1: Yeah, I hundred percent agree. We have a lot of a long list of nice to haves so of things that would be great if we had it, but we don't. We, we know we don't need it yet. So what we do is we experiment testing things out. So right now we're doing a manual version of account-based marketing, making sure that this is a good fit, that we understand the systems and processes in place. And once we have that, then we can go out and see whether or not we want to implement an ABM software. Um, so that's how we've been approaching it so far is let's experiment, let's see how we can do what we can do from a manual-based process. And see where our priorities lie in terms of what software we want to adopt next, if any. Sarza, so how
0: many people are at your company?
1: I think we are close to 100 right now.
0: So 100, and when you started, how many people were there?
1: Say like 30.
0: Yeah, once you hit 50. <laughs> no, I'm wow. serious. Once you hit. No, I just I,
2: I'm I just love the growth of ploy. Sorry, I was just admiring. <laughs>
0: Well, no, that's kind of what I'm saying is something to notice on the culture and the way things are going on. Once you hit 50, something happens. And once you get to 100, I'm just because all these processes need to come into place. You know, the HR you you get, you're going to get a new HR person. And if you don't have an attorney, you're going to get one or maybe two. On the marketing side, the leads that are, do you get the inbound leads or is that a sales thing?
1: I get them because I have the SDRs that report into me. So you
0: have the SDRs. That's that's the thing. Are you getting an itching or a feeling where, oh man, this is going to have to get over to the sales department? Or are you always going to hold on to them?
1: I always have hold on, held on to them my entire career because I am anal retentive and want to see what happens to my leads and the more control I can have over what happens to them, the better I feel. Um, if they are in the sales department, then I am connect to the hip with the SDR manager or the sales manager or whoever manages them because that that's important to me. I care less about MQLs, SQLs or whatever. I care more about revenue. So I want to make sure things are closing and they're closing in the right manner.
0: So then you're pretty tight with Carrillo over there?
1: I am. Yes. Yes. We're, be- we're besties.
0: Okay. Got it. Got it. All right, man, we're running out of time. We got to bring if stars and wants to come back. uh, We there's so much more shop we can talk to. But see, that's kind of where the energy gets screwed up when we get caught on and caught up on these acronyms and lifestyles, and we got this stuff. This is great, though. Like, no, it is. is. I get it. I get it. I can't. That's kind. That's kind of why I'm asking. I can't wait till like all this stuff. It's just two people talking versus pronouns talking. You know what I mean? So yeah, but then it'll uh, it'll just be
2: a non-issue. It'll be a yeah, not, it'll know. be you know, we'll we'll figure out it's like, yeah, we just you know, it's like me calling Pete Pete. It's as simple as that, but it it's somebody else's pronouns. Man, it's awesome.
0: It's awesome. I prefer, I prefer Pierre. Starza, what's the best way for uh our viewers and listeners to find out more about you?
1: Yeah, so first of all, my name is extremely unique. So if you Google me, you'll find my entire life history, Starza Thompson. I'm also on LinkedIn, Starza Thompson. And if you want to see more about Epploy and what we're doing. We have a YouTube channel under Epploy.
0: Which I just subscribed to. So you got to subscribe to ours now.
1: Will do. All
0: right. Hey, we thank you all for listening. Uh, on behalf of Jamie, Justin, KG, myself, Pete. Uh, we also thank you for watching. If you like what you heard and saw today, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm telling you, each subscriber is like magic fairy dust. It turns 30 viewers into 3,000. And then we have some Patreon love to give out from our business supporters. Unlock key account growth with Demand Farm. Smart software to bring account planning and relationship intelligence into your CRM. Making key account management. Practice data-driven, predictable, and scalable. Request a demo now at DemandFarm.com. Ask for Iron Man. Starza, you got to check out Demand Farm if you ha- haven't. Malin's got game over there. Winolytics, build the revenue organization you want. Request a free 60-minute growth consultation at Winalytics.com. Ask for Brunt and say, Big Pete sent you. We'd also like to say, hey, thanks, Aaron, J. and Trent S for their support. It's a real ego boost. And if you have the means out there, Patreon slash Sassholes, you can buy us a beer or you can have us down for an hour and beat you up to go over your budget before you actually ask for your budget. Check it out at Patreon slash sassholes. Hey, we thank you all for listening. Cue the music.